Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for your goodness to us. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you did enter into this world 2,000 years ago for us and for our salvation. We thank you, Lord, that uh, through your life and your death, we have redemption. In your resurrection, we have the promise of eternal life and salvation. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the sacrifice that you made for us. And Lord, I pray that we would grow in our knowledge of your grace and of your mercy. I pray that you would uh, cause us to, to, uh, to see your word, to hear your word, and to be transformed by your word today through the gracious work of your Holy Spirit. So Lord, give us all that we need today. And Lord, praying for all those who are today, knowing that many come carrying burdens and uh, they have many difficulties in life. Lord, we thank you that you know every individual and you care about every individual more than, than any of us could ever care for another person. So may they sense your love and your peace in this place today. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. And you may be seated. Today we go to St. Luke's Gospel, the second chapter, beginning with the 22nd verse. We continue the narrative of Jesus' infancy. After his birth in Bethlehem's manger, after uh, the, uh, the angels and the shepherds, what happened? Well, we pick up in verse 22 of Luke 2. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him, that is Jesus, up to the temple to present him to the Lord. Here Jesus comes to the temple as an infant. And it's in accordance with the law, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every uh, male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord a pair of turtle doves, or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he, that is Simeon, took Jesus up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. 
And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom. And the favor of God was upon him, the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Well, we are upon a new year, 2019. And with the new year come resolutions. Some of you gathered here today might, might have already thought of some, revo, uh, uh, some resolutions that you will make for the new year. Uh, getting uh, rid of old habits, starting new habits. Um, maybe uh, your goal is to, to lose weight. And ever since I started gaining weight, it's been my goal to lose weight. It's been a resolution of mine, but I just seem to gain more and more weight. Um, I know that that many of you will carry through with your resolutions, and and we're proud of you for that, but but many of us struggle with New Year's resolutions. How about this for a resolution? I'm going to work on making my relationship with Jesus stronger stronger better and more intimate in 2019. I'm going to work at making my relationship with Jesus stronger. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? To work at making my relationship with Jesus better. Does that sound good? Might sound good. Might sound holy and pious to work at making your relationship with Jesus stronger in the coming year. But let me tell you something even better than a resolution that sounds so holy and good. It's this, somebody already lived the perfect life for you. The work to restore your relationship with Jesus has been accomplished. It is finished through the Savior who was born in Bethlehem's manger. So oftentimes we begin the new year with with, uh, these resolutions for greater devotion. And there's nothing wrong with being devoted to the Savior. But remember, there is nothing that you can do to make your relationship with Jesus stronger than it already is. Because your relationship with the Lord is 100% dependent upon Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, and his grace that has been given to you. My friends, that is the good news of the gospel. You are already in a perfect relationship with him. Are we perfect? No. But his grace and his mercy are perfect, and they are never failing. Your relationship with the Lord is already perfect because your relationship with the Lord was completed by the work of Christ on your behalf. He has done it. It is by grace alone, through faith. But then when we look inside of ourselves, when when we are honest with, with who we are by nature, we come to a realization that that we have sinned. So I was thinking, I'm I'm like that child before God, I'm like that child before God who is continually loved, who is continually and unconditionally loved by his parents even though he is a royal pain in the neck. How many of you are that kind of kid? How many of you have those kinds of kids in your life? 
loved by your parents. And then you come out on the other end, and I, I think of my behavior as a child and, and my attitude towards my parents and, and the things, the horrible things that I said in anger to my mom and dad, and yes, I'm too, I'm a sinner, and that they loved me unconditionally. That's like our relationship with the Lord, right? We, we, we disobey, we sin, we fall short, we uh, live a life that, that must seem so disappointing to him, but he loves us. He loves us with an everlasting love, and his love for us is unconditional. How is this possible? How is this possible? How is it possible for us to be loved unconditionally? When we look inside of ourselves and we see how inconsistent we are and how, how much devotion we lack uh, towards the Lord, when we, when we consider our attitudes and our words towards other people, how is it possible? It's possible because of the baby in Bethlehem's manger. It's because of Jesus who grew up. It's because of Jesus who, who lived in perfect obedience to the law for you. It's because of Jesus who subjected himself to the punishment of the cross. That's why this, this unconditional love and this never failing acceptance of Jesus is possible for you today. And uh, Luke's narrative of Jesus' infancy is, is actually cast with the shadow of the cross upon it. We see the cross of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ even in the infancy accounts of this gospel. Before Jesus even becomes a toddler, we, 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 uh, we read of, of the cross there already. Jesus' whole life was lived for your salvation through the cross. The shadow of the cross was cast upon his entire life. Luke tells the story of Jesus' infancy with anticipation of the cross. God knew that you couldn't do anything to redeem yourself. We try to redeem ourselves. We try to, you know, when I, when I disappoint my wife, I try to do something that, you know, I try to redeem myself a little bit, but she knows the motivation behind all that. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, we're just imperfect people. We can't redeem ourselves. We, we try to redeem ourselves by, by, by loving more or being more devoted to him. There are no works that we can do to earn God's favor. So Jesus was born in Bethlehem. It's prophesied in the Old Testament. The Old Testament continually anticipates Jesus Christ for your salvation. Where do we see this redemption in our gospel lesson? Well, first of all, uh, we see it in uh, Luke 1, 22 through 24. So if you'd like to turn there in your Bibles today to Luke 1, 22 through 24, or if you have your Bible on your phone, 
you know, you can download the Bible to your phone. And then I, I, my, I told people uh, uh, in our church in New York, yeah, you can have the, the, download the Bible on the phone. And then the next week I had people from the church coming to me and, she, and they said, Pastor, I'm concerned there are people playing on their phones during church. I said, no, they're not playing on their phones. Maybe they are. <laughs> but I think they might be reading the Bible. So Luke 1, 22 through 24. We see the first, the cross, first of all, is seen in animal sacrifice, in animal sacrifice. Joseph and Mary brought animals to the temple to be sacrificed. And these animals were required by the Old Testament law. Luke 1, 22 through 24, and when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought up brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves or <clears throat> two young pigeons or even a lamb if you look at the Levitical law, if you cross-reference that back to, to uh, Leviticus. Uh, what is the significance of animal sacrifice in relationship to Jesus' mission into the cross? There are two things happening here. First of all, there, there is no forgiveness of sin apart from the shedding of blood. Sin cannot be forgiven unless there is bloodshed. Every Old Testament animal sacrificed pointed to the once and for all blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ upon the cross for the sin of the world. What did John the Baptist say when Jesus appeared at the Jordan? He pointed to Jesus and he said what? Behold who? The Lamb. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John recognized the mission of Jesus. John recognized why Jesus came. Jesus came as the lamb who would be sacrificed and through the shedding of his blood, the sin of the whole world, even your sin, would be washed away. So Jesus was the final sacrifice who has taken away not only your sin, but the sin of the whole world. You don't need to work for your salvation. You can't work to make your relationship with him any better than it already is. Irregardless of your devotion to him, your relationship to Jesus is perfect. It has been perfectly restored. And all that's left now is to grow and, and to be transformed by this amazing gift of grace. So we grow in our knowledge of the grace of our Savior. Not a law-motivated devotion, but a grace-empowered motivation to know him more. The work is finished. Grow in that grace. Be transformed by that grace. So there is no forgiveness of sins apart from the shedding of blood. That's the significance of animal sacrifice. The second thing that is happening in this animal sacrifice at the temple is this. Jesus is fulfilling 
He is fulfilling the righteous requirements of the law for you. Jesus not only sacrificed his life upon the cross in obedience to the will of the Father, he actively lived in obedience to every requirement of the law. So everything that the law demanded during Jesus' life, from infancy through childhood and into adulthood, he lived in perfect obedience to every requirement, and he did it for you. He did it for you. See, the Old Testament law, and even the law that we live under today, the commandments, requires a lot. Not only animal sacrifice in the Old Testament, but strict adherence to a lifestyle of moral excellence. A high standard, the perfect standard of right and wrong. A high standard that no mere human being can attain. I don't know if you've noticed it or not, but you can't live, you cannot live a a perfect sinless life. Have you tried? Have you made that commitment at Bible camp or at some other camp or in church? I'm never going to do this again or I'm never going to do that again. What ends up happening? You fall flat on your face, right? Been there, done that. No one can live a perfect sinless life. No one can attain perfect adherence to God's requirements. No one can be saved by keeping the law. But Jesus came, and Jesus kept the law perfectly. He kept it perfectly. He never sinned. Amazing. He never sinned once in thought, word, or deed. And then what does Jesus do for you by his grace? He gives you his righteousness as a free gift. His righteousness is imputed to you. Your sins are washed away. And in the place of your sins are given the very righteousness and the very holiness of Jesus Christ. Every good work that Jesus fulfilled is now credited to you. So when God sees you, he doesn't see your sin. He actually sees the very righteousness and the very holiness of Jesus Christ. Amazing. So in our gospel lesson, when the birds were brought to the temple to be sacrificed, Jesus was fulfilling the law for you. And as we read the gospels, when when Jesus loved others with perfect love, when he reached out to tax collectors, when he reached out to prostitutes, um, when he reached out his hand and he touched those despised, the outcasts of society, when he loved perfectly, Um, all of that perfect obedience and that perfect love has been credited to you. He was perfect in every way. And so when God the Father looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. 
He no longer sees disobedience. He no longer sees wickedness. He no longer sees your inconsistency. He no longer sees your failure and your broken promises and the way that you've hurt others. He doesn't see any of that stuff anymore. He fulfilled the law perfectly, and it's been credited to you. So the entirety of Jesus' life, from his virgin conception to his burial, his resurrection, was for you, for your redemption. There's nothing greater in the world than Jesus and the gift that he has won for you. So in our gospel lesson, we see the cross. We see the cross in animal sacrifice and Jesus' active obedience for you. But the cross is also mentioned in Simeon's prophecy. I don't know if you noticed this or not, but in uh, verses 33 through 35, we read this. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. And get this, and for a sign that is opposed. For a sign that is opposed. Even though Jesus was perfect, he was sinless, he was also hated. He was opposed. And then we hear these words in this parenthetical quote, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. So that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Can you imagine the deep effect Jesus' ministry had upon Mary? Can you imagine seeing your son suffer as a criminal upon a Roman cross? But for Mary, the suffering of her son was for her salvation too. Absolutely incredible. The Savior conceived miraculously by the Holy Spirit in her womb is for her salvation. And the cross which pierced her soul was also for her salvation. So Jesus, a sign that is opposed, uh, one who, who uh, would even, his, his mission would even cause deep pain towards his, his beautiful mother. For us who know the Savior, the cross is at the heart of our salvation. The cross is your ultimate peace. Know that today. The cross is your peace. It is your peace. We rest today. We're at peace today. We're not anxiously working and toiling to make our relationship with Jesus better. Our hearts are at peace. Like Simeon, we who are trusting in the Lord, today you can say, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. Can you truly say that? If the Lord chooses to take you today, if this is the day, and it can be for, for any one of us, no matter how young or how old you are, today can you say, I can depart in peace? According to the word of the Lord, 
the promise of our Savior. And Simeon says, for my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all people a light of revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Let your heart be at peace today. Let your heart be at peace. You don't need to work on your relationship with the Lord. You can grow in your relationship with the Lord. You can grow in the knowledge of his grace and his mercy and be transformed by that. But know that your relationship with the Lord has been secured by Jesus apart from any work that you could ever do. It's finished. It's complete. You're at peace with God. You're at peace with him. So I pray that you have that peace. And I pray that you are living in the liberty won for you by Jesus Christ. It affects everything. It changes everything. Life is different. Life is new. Life has a sense of security. Life has deep meaning. So today I invite you to bow your heads with me in prayer. Would you take a moment today of silent reflection? You take a moment today to give thanks to God for all that he has done for you in sending you Jesus. I know that many come here today with burdens. We're going to pray today. We're going to do some business with God this morning. So I invite you to take this time to reflect and to pray. Lord Jesus, I know that there are those who are here today who come uh, with very deep burdens and uh, a lot of difficulty in life and, and sorrow and hardships. I pray now that your peace and your blessings would rest upon them. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would deliver them from the evil one. I pray that you would deliver them from all temptation. I pray, Heavenly Father, that now, by the working of your Holy Spirit through your word, that peace would come, that troubled hearts would, would dissolve away, and that the peace promised by you would be realized within hearts today. Pray, Heavenly Father, for those who come here today who are sick or those who could not make it here today because of their illness, I pray that your power would touch them and heal them. I pray for those whose hearts grieve during this season. I pray that the hope of the gospel and of the resurrection would give them the strength that they need in the midst of their grief. 
And I do pray for any who are here today who are not trusting in Jesus Christ as their Savior. I pray that the Holy Spirit would do that good work of creating faith where there is no faith. So do your good work here this morning in this place. We thank you, Lord, that people can come here. That they can come here to hear the word of God. They can hear the word of God from feeble lips, but it's still the power of God into salvation. And by it, they can be transformed by your grace to know this peace, to know this gift, to know this promise, and to have their lives transformed. So it's in Jesus' name we pray, knowing that the promise of God's word is true. Ask, and you will receive. Call upon me, God says, in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. We are unworthy sinners relying on your words and command, and we pray for your mercy with such faith as we can muster. Graciously free these, your people, from all evil. Undo the work of the enemy, to the honor of your name, and to the strengthening of the faith of believers through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. And all of God's children say, Amen. Amen. Amen.